you know, our musical was called The Promise. And the reason why it was called that is because Jesus was the long-awaited Savior foretold centuries before his incarnation. And the greatest of all those promises, perhaps, that's quoted around Christmas time is the one that was quoted in the musical, Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and we shall call his name Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And when we hear that scripture, it should challenge us in so many ways. For example, if he is Mighty God and Everlasting Father, then you can't just like him. Have you ever noticed in scripture as you're reading how people reacted to Jesus? They didn't react indifferently. They reacted very, very strongly. Once they realized what he was claiming, that he was claiming to be God, they either loved him or hated him. They either wanted to kill him or worship him. But nobody reacted and said, you know, this guy's so inspiring. He's like a Tony Robbins. He makes me want to live a better life. That wasn't the reaction. And yet when some people hear the story of Christ, the account of what God did for humanity, they say to themselves, this is impossible. It's improbable. How does a virgin conceive? How does a virgin give birth to a child and let alone that child be called Emmanuel, which means God with us? You can't really believe that that is possible, but that, that's kind of the whole point. If the Savior really was mighty God, shouldn't God be able to span time and space? Shouldn't God be able to take whatever form he wants to? Shouldn't God be able to die on a cross? Shouldn't God be able to defeat death? I don't know what your definition of God is, but my definition of God includes being able to do mind-blowing miracles. And that's what God was doing. And to the intellectually honest, Jesus creates a personal crisis. And the personal crisis is you can't just like him. You have to choose is what he said really true? Is it, is it false? Either he was absolutely crazy or he was infinitely wonderful, but he couldn't just be a good guy because good guys don't walk around with a Messiah complex. And so if he is mighty God, you have to serve him. You have to surrender to him. You have to center your entire life around him. But that scripture, that promise also challenges us in that if he is wonderful counselor, we ought to want to serve him. Think about times in our lives when we're going through things. Isn't it good to talk to somebody? And isn't it even better when that person has gone through what we're going through? And if Jesus really was God and he became one of us, And he experienced everything that you and I experience as human beings. If he experienced the same kind of temptations and the same kind of passions in lives and the same type of pain and hurt and the loss of loved ones and even death, then we have in Christianity something that no other religion can claim. And that is a God who understands in the greatest sense of understanding because he's gone through it. And that makes him not just a counselor, but a wonderful counselor. I mean, think about it when we have important people who spend time with others, a president who walks amongst the people, an athlete who signs autographs, takes pictures, and talks to the fans. We say, this person is wonderful. But think of how much more God, the God of the universe, who became 
one of us didn't just make a cameo, but spent 33 and a half years with us. And here's the thing. He didn't have to. He could have claimed immunity. He could have said, I'm God. I don't have to do this. But instead, listen to what the Bible says in John 1 and 14. It says the word became flesh and blood in the message version says, and moved into our neighborhood. If he is God manifest in the flesh, then he's wonderful counselor. And we ought to want to serve him, not out of duty, but out of passion. But then the last thing that that promise challenges us with is if he is a son that is given, he's the greatest gift of all, but he has to be received. And I've shared this illustration before, but but I want to share it again. Imagine yourself, it's Christmas morning, you're opening up presents from a friend. And you open up this one present, and it's a book on dieting. And then you open up another present, you tear off the bow and you unwrap the wrapping paper and it's a book on overcoming selfishness. Now, in order to receive gifts like that, you'd have to admit that you need to lose weight and you might be a little obnoxious. In other words, there are certain gifts that are hard to receive because they force us to look at our flaws and to look at our shortcomings. Has there ever been a gift that has made us swallow our pride more than the gift of a savior. Here's what that means. For God to give a gift as a savior, one who can save us from our sins. That's what savior means. It means that you and I have to recognize that we were hopelessly lost, that we cannot do anything in and of ourselves to get right with God. And nothing less than the death of the son of God would save us, not our works, but only by his grace. And so to receive the Christmas gift that God has given us, it requires us to humbly admit we're a sinner. We need a savior. We need help. We can't earn it. We can't behave our way into good graces with God. We can only receive Jesus Christ as our personal savior. See, the cost of sin is eternal separation from God. And so this is why it makes me kind of chuckle when people think, well, I'll just, I'll just pay for my sin. How do you pay for a sin anyway? Let's say you get angry at somebody on the road, you know, and you, you tell them they're number one as they're passing by, right? What do you do for the, what do you do to pay for that? Do you wave and smile at the next 10? Do you, how do you know it's not 11 waves and smiles? How do you know it's not a month of waves and smiles? How do you know when you've paid for a sin? See, the, the only thing that pays for our sin, because the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God, was nothing less than the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. God is too holy to do nothing about our sin. He's so merciful. He didn't want us to pay the price for our sin. And he's so mighty. He did something about our sin. And so here's what this musical was all about. It was all about God giving a promise centuries beforehand with such specificity that we would recognize when Jesus came that he was that promise so that we would surrender our lives to him and receive him as our Savior and Lord so that we could be made right with God and have the promise of eternal life. And so today, I offer you, Jesus, exactly what Christmas is all about. If he is a son given, he must be received. At some point, it requires you to humble yourself, to acknowledge that you are a sinner separated from God, no matter how good in the world's eyes you may be, 
and that the only way that you could be made right with God is through Christ. How do you receive that gift? Well, the means of exchange between man and God is prayer. And when we go to God and when we pray and when we ask him to forgive us and we acknowledge that we're apart from him and need a savior and put our faith in Christ, he receives us, he forgives us, he makes us his child. And so if you're here today and you don't know if you're right with God, you don't know if you were to die this moment or this second, where you would spend eternity, I offer you Jesus. And that requires you to surrender. And I'm going to pray a prayer right now with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know if I'm right with God. And I want you to include me in this prayer because I want to get right with him right now as that sign of humility and surrender to say, Pastor, include me in that prayer. Just hold your hand up to God right now if that's you. Pastor, would you include me in that prayer? I want to get right with Almighty God. Hold it up nice and high. God bless you guys over here. That's awesome. God bless you, sir, over here. If you haven't raised your hand, hold it up real quick because God loves you that much. God bless you. That's awesome. God bless you also here as well. God bless you over here. Amen. God bless you over there. You can put your hands down. For the benefit of all those who surrender to God in that moment, can we all pray this prayer out loud together? Say it with me. Heavenly Father, I repent of my sins, and I ask you to forgive me. I receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, and I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, welcome to the family of God. Our ushers have a little book. They're going to find it. They're going to give it to you. It's a, it's a tiny book. It takes about 10 minutes to read. So read it before the day is out. There's a little card that's in the book. If you would take a moment before you leave, fill it out. We want to help you in your journey with the Lord. So one of us pastors wants to reach out to you and answer your questions and pray with you and encourage you in your walk with the Lord. You can turn that card back into the, to one of the ushers. To the rest of you, we have Christmas services all next weekend. You can go to our website and find out the times up there basically Sunday morning at 9 and 11 and uh, we invite you all to come out if you don't have a home church this is one of the greatest churches no bias on the planet we would love to have you come again next week have a very very merry Christmas and enjoy this time with your families we'll see you soon God bless you